Anxiety is the over-anticipation of things that haven't An happened. An overwhelming response to stimulus and Unexplained feeling of fear and worrying too much about stimulation and Anxiety is reminding yourself to act the normal sense that just below the surface, feeling something that is sort of sort of sort of harder to focus. I have social anxiety. I get anxiety to have all that a lot. It took psychedelics and a lot of reading and learning. Are all the cars staring? How much time is left on the green light? Should I start running? Sometimes I can feel it coming, and sometimes it happens so fast I can't get to a safe place. I was prescribed benzodiazepines, clonabin, lorazepam, Xanax. It's what science currently offers. Psychedelics helped. MDMA, psilocybin, had efficacy for five solid years. I didn't have to take benzos, and I quit all the alcohol and tobacco, viewing them as poison. Connecting all of these answers together, and there is a common theme. We are in this together and experience the same worries and reactions to symptoms that are seemingly uncontrollable. Psychedelics help. They help a mind that has been stuck in the same patterns. It goes something like, mental ignition of anxiety triggers physical symptoms of anxiety, which further stresses the mind into a deeper state of anxiety, which compounds the physical issue, and so on. Basically, what I have figured out is that all the stresses of the world that trigger anxiety in my mind will always cause the physical symptom of anxiety. The thought that floats into or rockets into my mind will cause a physical symptom that, current, that I currently associate and react to as anxiety. That is going to happen because I am human and these are the exact feelings that also provide a motivation for ideas and action in theory. The world is never going to always be comfortable. So, if I can accept that this physical symptom of anxiety can come at any time and stay for a while and then leave, I, as a conscious human being, have the power to accept and to be okay with that feeling. Why do I have to freak out and lose control of my emotions when the feelings of this thing I call anxiety surfaces? I don't! Fuck that! There doesn't have to be that way. I feel that people in the world who decided to make money off of prescribing drugs to people for anxiety or depression wrote the story of anxiety and depression and provided the solution of medication. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely believe that there are times when life is so overwhelming that you lose control and you for sure need help, you should go get it. But I also feel like this story of how to deal with anxiety has been crafted as a distraction from the truth that we human beings absolutely have the potential to powerfully, consciously, to be powerfully conscious and in control of our mind and body. Let's do this together. Believe. Find it in yourself to not only love yourself, but believe that you are powerful and have a strong will.
check both your pockets, maybe you still have the key. There's a difference between becoming a mature adult and disconnecting from your true inner self that shone so bright as a child. You don't have to be that way, ever. You may not even realize it, but if you do, you have a choice. Be youthful. This is Micah vs. The Mushroom Podcast. Welcome to episode 11. Welcome to Microverse, the Mushroom Podcast. Today's guest is a girl named Autumn Freeman. She is a victim of childhood abuse, sexual assault, and more violence than one should have to go through. But she did, and life was hell until she found psychedelics. The liberation and ability to perform rituals of self-therapy with her partner quite arguably saved her life. Unfortunately, she isn't doing so well today and could really use the help of plant medicines like psilocybin-containing mushrooms, cacti, ayahuasca, or LSD and MDMA to help ease the pain that paints a picture of suicide in the darkest of times. So thank you for sharing your story this evening, Autumn, and for having the courage to step out and spread the truth about plant medicines. I hope that this episode may help you listeners out there to understand what is really going on here with this psychedelic renaissance. We are all on this spinning planet hurling through space at tens of thousands of miles per hour and there's a lot of grief and suffering among us psychedelics have been wrongfully criminalized in the past and are still illegal today and compared to any other legal substances used to treat these life-threatening mental illnesses they work miracles think about it if pharmaceutical pills used for mental illnesses work to solve the root cause of the problem, then there probably wouldn't be this surging tidal wave of support for psychedelics that we are seeing at this present moment. The people of this world are desperate for liberation, and it is our duty to do what we can to help free us all from the grips of this debilitating negativity that encompasses our environments like a cloud. Love, compassion, empathy, courage, and connectivity are all common themes that are reported in psychedelic users as improvements to their personal realities. I'm not trying to tell any of you what to do with your personal lives, but I hear a message here, and I think that everyone deserves to hear it. And I hope that it can improve your life if you choose to try it out with the right set and setting and the help of those around you. I believe we can do this together. We can raise our collective consciousness to a higher plateau and allow us all to respect one another amidst the chaos. So remember to breathe and embrace the present moment that you're in. I love you all. This is Mycoverse, the Mushroom Podcast. Enjoy it.
So, Autumn Freeman, um, I have this little message I want to say that I just wrote down. Um, I just I saw a really good movie called Frozen Two <laughs> with my kid, and I don't know. Is, have you seen it yet? Not yet. You haven't? Okay. How old's your kid? Um, six, nine, and eleven. Yeah, you should go see that movie. It's yes. so good. Like, just I mean, it gives me a lot of hope for the future with like what our kids are being taught. And um, the artist Aurora, who she like sings the voice in that movie, um, she, that girl is awesome. She's just singing about like climate and just like the love for like the earth and ah, it's really good. But um, good. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. So here it goes. Pain, suffering, heartache. The chaos of nature is not for the light of heart to comprehend, but to lead through. Almost all, or amidst all this debris and cluttered madness, one can still sit, still, in a field, on a porch, in a car, along a shore, and feel the presence of love, faith, and hope in the moment. I feel that this negativity that crowds us on a daily basis is nothing more than a disease, one that is not untouchable, but has the ability to wreck people's lives. Yet, the cure is love. The cure is love. The cure is love. So that's what I want to open with right there. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, so you have a story to tell us, and uh, I just kind of... I want you to just jump into that. However, I know you've been thinking about it, so the floor is yeah, yours. Thank you. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I just really want to thank you for giving me this platform mm -hmm. and for what you're doing. I think it's it's so important, and um, just sharing that knowledge is really going to help save lives. Yeah, totally. I'm sure. <laughs> well, cool. So, so mm -hmm. you know, uh, I basically wanted to give a voice uh, there's a campaign coming out uh, February 20th. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Plant Medicine. So this is kind of uh, through through preparing for today, I got to finish my story for that. Uh, also, I, I wanted to give a voice um, to people who are struggling with suicide and yeah. mental health issues. Um, I really struggle a lot with that. And I have seen... Tremendous healing <laughs> happen yeah. after psychedelic experiences, um, and I think it's important for pre for people to to see that. So here I am. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Where to start? Okay, uh, I'm a trauma survivor. Uh, I have complex PTSD um, from prolonged childhood abuse, sexual assaults and an attack where uh, I was stabbed in the face and the chest and I never recovered from any of the trauma so it just compounded and got worse um, I ended up with a panic disorder and major depression um, I had had a few suicide attempts and several hospitalizations um, uh, over over the course of my life, and it's been really really hard. Um, I even got my brain scanned by Dr. Amen. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, he's one of the top neuroscience guys in the country. Okay. Uh, 
did uh, spec scan mapping to kind of find out how my brain works yeah. and then come up with a course of treatment. And what they found is that there's essentially been a lot of damage from the effects of trauma on the brain. Yeah. Uh, it's like having a TBI. So What's a TBI? A traumatic brain injury. Okay, cool. Uh, so it, um, it's severely impacted my, my prefrontal cortex. From um, trauma. Wow. Yeah. Decision-making, yeah. reasoning, that whole area. Um, and I want to say, you know, for, for a lot of my life, I was an absolute mess. Mm-hmm. But there was a period of time where I was introduced to psychedelics. And at first, when I started to use them, it was purely recreational. Uh-huh. But after my first experience, um, it was so exciting and enlightening um, that I started digging into uh, Huxley and all the pioneers. Yeah. And I started to be more intentional with it. And I would say over the course of maybe about six months, um, I was doing psilocybin and MDMA-assisted therapy um, with my with my boyfriend at the time. Okay. Who also had PTSD, brain injury. Would you both like and, take it and talk to each other and kind of like do like self-therapy together? Exactly. Yeah, so we were good. very intentional. We would always set the setting, um, you know, dim lights, good music, cool. sun lights, you know, festive toys, stuff like that. <laughs> good. Tactile stuff. <laughs> it's important. And, uh, it is. Mm-hmm. But then also, to at the beginning of every trip, you know, we would leave time at the door and be open to the experience. And it was, it was safe and it was, it was so therapeutic. I actually quit drinking alcohol and smoking tobacco. Very cool. Which is incredible because I had been a drinker and a smoker like my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. That's good. um, I'm happy to hear that. It was wonderful. Um, What I noticed at that time it was really hard to explain. You can't you can't describe it to anybody, no. and everybody everybody thought I was bananas. You know, I, I would I would explain what I was doing, and and nobody got it. What what year was that? Around like what time frame? Uh, two thousand six. Okay, cool. So it was you know what? a little early. Mm-hmm. It's definitely <laughs> early. There wasn't too many people cool with that yet. So yeah, it was yeah. it was. It was a really strange spot to be in, um, but I found myself the most functional that I had ever been in my life. Um, I had less anxiety. Um, my panic, my panic attacks um, decreased significantly. Okay. I didn't say they completely went away, but I certainly had less of them. Um, I, I was able to hold down good jobs. Um, you know, I ended up marrying my boyfriend and, and navigated him through 
the VA system, which was insane. <laughs> he went to war Very and difficult. had to deal with all that too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So I, I'm, I, I guess why I'm sharing this is because I'm at a point in my life where my mental health has declined significantly. Um, I have moved to a place where I no longer have access to uh, that type of plant medicine. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I have children, and so there's all kinds of concerns, right? Right. But now that they've, um, now that the FDA has fast-tracked that uh, for for uh, breakthrough therapy status and also decriminalized in Oakland, mm-hmm. I'm I'm very motivated to to go out there. In fact, I have um, I have a meeting set up with uh, Dr. Ben Price um, cool. in a couple days, and I'm going to be working on getting out there because I know where I'm at right now. I'm not well, and I know that there is a therapy out there that can help me. Yeah. And so um, thank you for for having me on here and, and being able to share this. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to, do you want to kind of give some insight for others who are going through maybe similar, like, mental illnesses um, and just, like, the mind state of what the panic attacks and what everything kind of... How, what what does it feel like? like? How would you describe it to anybody or someone who doesn't have it and maybe just to help everyone understand? And then, so, like, and then, like, how the psychedelics help to ease that and what it did for you before and what you're hopeful that it can do for you in the future. Sure, sure. Um, my anxiety, it feels like a 300-pound man sitting on my chest. Okay. Constantly, my stomach is constantly in knots. I feel like I'm gonna throw up, or you know, I'm I'm having stomach cramping. Um, I feel like I'm always on edge. Um, very irritable. Um, I react. Um, I react to sound, and I recoil from touch. Um, it's really hard. I have. Uh, two children on the autism spectrum okay. and for, for me a typical day um, I'm just constantly triggered every hour all day long adrenaline dumps constant adrenaline dumps and then trying to recover from the adrenaline dumps I'm just I feel frazzled and it's it's hard to get through my days now yeah um, I'm, I'm in fact, I'm, I'm going to therapy right now and my therapist, you know, she wants to do EMDR, which is the only therapy out there right now, uh, really for people to see. What's EMDR? Immersive memory. I, I, I forget what it, what it, <laughs> what, what it stands for, but it's. How would you describe it's, it? It's essentially like you really go back and relive that memory. You go, you go back in time and it's supposed to be really intense. Gotcha. Um, And she says, you know, she doesn't, 
necessarily want to do that with me right now because she's afraid it's going to put me into a, a state. Yeah. And do you know how, how scary that is for me as a patient where it's like, there's a treatment out there, but we can't get, we can't do it for you. Right. That's crazy. So, um, psychedelics for me, they've helped me, uh, they're an ego reducer. Um, they're, I, I'm able to look at my trauma. I'm able to look at myself and have acceptance and forgiveness it's really hard because really you have a lot of guilt and to be able to let go of that guilt it's 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 so healing and so powerful and that's what a lot of therapists can't they have a hard time breaking through that ego barrier it's very hard yeah So again, uh, they they help to reduce anxiety. I'm able to look at that that trauma. Yeah. I'm able to feel good. I'm able to breathe um, and have positive body experiences, as opposed to like always being on edge and uptight. Yeah, yeah. It's be able to just let go. That's good. Um, I don't know it's there's something about the natural I don't know how to say it like vibrations that the plant medicines bring to us um, and when it comes to like anxiety and all of that I like to think that it It, it, it very much so. I always like compare it to like a trap door, where it, it, without it, when when you're not when it's when it's not in control, the anxiety and all of it, it's like a trap door gets flung open, and like you're conscious of the fact that it's wide open and it's wrecking like your your mental state, and maybe you're angry, like with kids or whatever because of that situation happening within you and you don't want it to happen but you don't have control of it no matter how hard you try and then if you start using plant medicines as in like cactus or mushroom or all of the other ones uh it kind of like you you feel it before it happens and then you're able to it's cool it's cool and and it's just very humbling very like it's 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 magic it it really is magic yeah um and and it's and the crazy thing it's not new like using plant medicines is nothing new and it's it's nothing to to be afraid of i mean (laughs) fun fact Fun fact, I have no idea about this, but this was, um, so I I am an alcoholic, um, and right now, the only treatment for alcoholism is AA, the 12-step program, Yeah. and I am not bashing them, I wouldn't bash them, they've done amazing things, a lot of people have gotten well, 
walking through those doors. Mm -hmm. I was not one of them. Um, It has somewhere between uh, a five and 12% efficacy rate. And so basically, you know, nine out of 10 people are failing, which, I mean, that's not a good, you know, the way I see it is if we're sending people into a program where nine out of 10 of them are going to fail, we got to do better by those other nine. Right. You know, and, and providing, you know, alternative treatments and, and Bill W., the founder, the founder of AA, co-founder, okay. did psychedelics uh-huh. at AA, no less. Yeah. So. Like, <laughs> and it, this is something that was buried. Interesting. He got a, he got a lot of flack from the psychedelic community or from the AA community for his involvement with psychedelics. But he, he even, uh, there's a good quote that I have from him. Tell us. And he, he said this, it was uh, August 29th, 1956. This was after tripping at the VA. He said, the vision and insights given by LSD could create a large incentive, at least in a considerable number of people. Yeah. So that, you know, the major tenet of AA is, Admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable, and two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Yeah. Not everybody has a good feeling about God. Um, and so that creates kind of a barrier, I think, for a lot of people. Um, a barrier for what? To connect spiritually? To, uh, for the program. Okay, to but, to okay. take the program seriously. Mm-hmm. Because if at step two, you don't believe in God, and yet you, you got to get through step two. Which is the higher power, yeah. It makes it really hard to go to go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so again, like he... <laughs> I don't know if if you know this story or if your listeners know this story, but Bill W., um, the co-founder of AA, um, got sober after visiting uh, a Dr. Silkworth who administered the Belladonna Cure, which essentially they'd they'd give him Belladonna, Henbane, and Prickly Ash every hour for like 50 hours. Oh, wow. And it was really like purging experience and it's it's said that he saw a white light and he that's when he got sober and came up with a very interesting that's a very interesting story for sure one that speaks a lot of truths that we're rediscovering today so that's really cool yeah plant medicines it's wild how much has been buried for so long I um The truth, (laughs) it's funny, like growing up, I always heard the saying, like, everything's a lie. It's like, that sounds so cliche these days, but it's like, I've been doing a lot of research with just ancient civilization, like history, and like how all that stuff was buried. And like, I think listening to Graham Hancock talk on Joe Rogan was one of the, like, jumping points for me that was like whoa there's a lot of possibilities 
of stories that were covered up that could explain a lot. And this is yeah. one of those stories, you know? Uh, yeah. The use of plant medicines has been absolutely buried and hidden and covered up by, uh, by that negative force, you know? <laughs> and it's, there's, there's a lot of love and light that's, that's shining right now. And it's really cool. And it gives me personally a lot of hope. Um, and this, I honestly have no idea how, it's not that it's not going to be successful. I'm just like, I'm really curious to see at the end of 2020, how many cities across America decriminalize plant medicines. Cause it just, there's a lot of like, I don't know. It's, it's just like a light is, it's like a star. It starts at a center point and then it just whoosh, like blasts out everywhere. And it doesn't matter if you want to see that light or not, it's going to hit you. You're going to catch wind of it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love to see that, that movement to criminalize Oakland. Mm-hmm. There, there's to criminalize Salt Lake city right next door. Good. So there you go. There's yeah. You said, okay, so let's go into that. It's really hard for you to get it. And you shared with me before that you've had some pretty negative experiences trying to get it. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, as, as a female, you, who, who's buying, you know, very illegal drugs, you, you get put in some pretty bad situations. Yeah. Cause you, I mean, it, yeah, it's lucky if you have a friend who's like super cool and they have a connection, but for someone that doesn't, which happens to be a ton of people, what do you do? <laughs> like, how do you even find that? Or tell us if you want. Well, and, and that's, that's I, I'm kind of at a loss because, you know, here I am now, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a mom. I have an 11-year-old child. Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't really fit into, uh, I guess, a lot of the social circles right. anymore, um, you know? Unless you're I kinda, in a, yeah. I kind of fell out of that. So I don't know, and I'm not going to, you know, go up to some stranger. Of course. So, yeah, right now I'm kind of at a loss. That's why I'm heading to, heading to Oakland. You're going to Oakland? You and your family going, or just I you? I'm family in Oakland. I'm, oh. I'm just, I've got to put it all together. It's okay. happening. <laughs> good. You have an exit plan. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Exit. Or maybe I should just say a forward plan. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. But um, if you weren't going... You said it's, you have like decriminalized nature, Salt Lake City. So that could be a resource for anyone who's listening, who is at their wits end and at the end of the line where you're thinking about just ending it all, you know, like suicide's not, not a fun place to be when you're like absolutely considering that. So, um, and these really do work. It's, it's, it's cool. But, uh, maybe just researching like 
where the nearest decriminalized nature is. Like if you're lucky enough to have one nearby, that could be a resource where obviously you're not going to like hit the person up who's like in charge of that and be like, Hey, I'm looking for medicine. Can you help me find it? Like, that's not the way to do it, but form a relationship. Like it's the same way as like AA or NA, like it's their community. Like the decriminalized nature people are a community that will listen to you. You know, if you're like super curious about it or you're someone like you where you you've done it before you know it works you're just in a place where you don't know anybody and you want to be really responsible like we have kids you know like you're unless you know a friend who has that like that's super not cool as a parent to go out like looking for drugs like that it's just you like you said you end up in bad situations and that's not being a responsible parent that we are so um maybe just reaching out and be like hey like I, I suffer this, like tell a story to them, say I, I could really use some help or like someone to talk to or anything like that. And you just fish for it. And I, I think that's the most uh, like accessible, responsible way to go about it in this stage we're in right now where it's super illegal mm-hmm. federally. But the funny thing is, cannabis is super legal federally, but look at where we're at right now. <laughs> you know? So it's it's just a matter of time. And there's there's a lot of hope because of the FDA fast tracking all these therapies. And that doesn't happen unless they're taking it seriously and there's gonna be some changes happening soon. So Yeah. Hang on for dear life. <laughs> It, it, it blows my mind because, you know, as a as a kid, I got sent to I got sent to rehab How quite a bit. Like what was the first <laughs> um, time you went? The first time I went, I was 13 years old. And mind you, like I, by then I, I did already have PTSD yeah. and it was pretty apparent. And I did start hanging around with the wrong crowd. But the things that I was seeking out were like. I, I I just wanted to get high. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't want to like, I just, I just wanted to, to calm down. You know, yeah. I, I wasn't. And then I was always super interested in psychedelics um, as a youth. So I think, you know, somehow um, the mind knows what it's need, what it needs. And uh, I just, I just think it's really interesting that I did. Was it about two and a half years in and out for pot? Just for pot? For right. for pot. It's because uh, I didn't know I, how I to done do it a little bit of ecstasy mm-hmm. and a little bit of LSD. Okay. Yeah. So it was obvious you needed help, and that was just the way. Interesting. I had a question. Um, as a 13-year-old with PTSD, looking back on it all. I could, of the kids you hung out with, how many of them also had PTSD, would you think? Like, if you had to guess, do you think there's a lot? Like, it's interesting, like, looking back on those years of life and, like, for someone who grew up in a really positive atmosphere and had really positive friends and just didn't we're lucky enough to not be associated with that part of reality yet at such a young age. I could see like how like, especially growing up like through the 80s, 90s and into 
before this like more communal I feel like kids today like especially like since the rise of the internet there's a little bit more um compassion and understanding and of one another like there's so many of us and there's so many different styles like just do you (laughs) it's cool like yeah whatever you need to do man um like for anything like whatever you want to wear whatever you want to listen to like the art you like whatever uh and so but yeah I don't know (laughs) I was trying to just kind of get a perspective of like you as a 13 year old with PTSD and the kids you hung out with, do you think there's a lot that, I mean, I think it's kind of an obvious question now looking at what I'm saying right now. Uh, no, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Go ahead. Some, some definitely did. I mean, they, um, they came from really difficult backgrounds. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, my, my close girlfriend that we, we stayed in contact throughout high school, but, she definitely did, mm-hmm. and I think I definitely gravitated towards towards that. Yeah. Um, it's it's really interesting to look back on it all. Um, I wasn't really able to form and maintain a lot of relationships because of all the in and out. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't able to maintain those connections, get to birthdays and things like that. So that was really weird. Yeah, for sure. To and to look back on that as an adult and be like, man, okay, no wonder. <laughs> right. Um, so, are you still doing? Let's jump back to now. Um, yeah. You were telling me about a kind of therapy that you do for yourself, where you go like, you're where it's like a where people are beating you up kind of thing to like kind of help you through all that. I don't I forgot how you explained it. I'm so sorry. Okay. Okay. Is that still happening so, or is that something you did in the past? Um, okay. So it's something that I did. Okay. Um, I got involved in force on force. Um, um, oh my gosh. Force on force training. Okay. So what we would do is um, we would use simunition and sim pistols and, you know, protective gear and, you know, fight. And for me, it was um, a lot of exposure therapy because I, I have encountered a lot, of, a lot of violence and I always felt really powerless. Okay. So for me, it was a way to, you know, get my power back. And that was actually a really fun, fun time in my life. I, I became a... Uh, a firearms instructor and I got to I got to instruct other women and and it was really really cool but um, you know right now given my mental state I I did I did give up my firearms that's um, not, not to any agency but I've made sure that I don't have access to them and uh, hopefully one day I would love to get back shooting it's super fun yeah um but just not right now. Okay. And I, I would encourage anyone who is struggling with those nights where you're drinking and you get the pistol out, you know, if, if you're at that point, seriously consider um, there's an organization called holdmyguns.org. 
and I'm not sure exactly if they're if they're nationwide yet, but they have different locations um, where you can where you can put them up for safekeeping. That's a really good resource. I had no idea. I mean, that's I could have guessed it, but holdmyguns.org. Yes. Yes. Very cool. Very very cool. Yeah, and there's um, there's another really great resource out there. It's called uh, Walk the Talk U.S. And their whole goal is to bridge uh, the gap between the firearms community and the medical community because there's such such a divide. You know, you know a lot that. of gun owners. A lot of gun owners are afraid to seek mental health treatment because so many times we we've, we've been threatened with, you know you know, if you're mentally ill, we're going to take your guns. Well, what's the definition of mentally ill? Is it going to be for anxiety? Is it going to be, we don't know. Right. We don't know. So it, a lot of people are scared to, to get help. I know um, right now there is a major, major push in the firearms industry to reduce our suicide rate. Because right now, when you look at statistics, you know, 60% of gun homicides are suicides. Interesting. So, you know, as a responsible gun owner, you know, when you start having those feelings, it, it's it's good to remember that. You don't want to be the statistic. And, you, you know. Yeah. Good message, man. Um. You got any closing remarks you want to share with us now? Um, you know, I guess I I hope to to come back and tell you all about my awesome experience and how much better I'm doing. Um, we will stay in touch. <laughs> we'll keep messaging on Instagram. Um, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, because that's I, I I hope the best for you, and I hope you make it to Oakland because. Um, Sorry, when you said you have a meeting, did you say with Dr. Jen Price, like the one I just talked to? Yes. Cool. Yes. Very cool. Yes. Uh -huh. We'll see. We'll see what comes of that. Okay. Um, yeah. Just keep talking to me. I want to know how that goes. For sure. Yes. <laughs> I'll document everything. <laughs> oh, please do. Yeah, so document it all. Make a video. Call me. And we'll do this again um, when that time comes. Yes, that sounds great. Yes.
Thank you for tuning in to Microverse the Mushroom Podcast. If you would like to support the show, please head over to our Patreon website where you can gain access to personal exclusive content in exchange for your support. Feel free to say hi and talk with me personally on Instagram. You can email me at microversepodcast at gmail.com. Our new official sponsor is Shroom Snack, brought to you by the Bryson Brothers. Check it out in the episode description. I love you all so much. And if you're ever considering taking your life and committing suicide, this is very serious. At minimum, call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. You're an amazing individual with so much potential. Hang in there. I love you. Peace be with you.
Sleep.